Bretto, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm P. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit. And if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith. Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Zushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab, and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit? Not to mention our world-class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left. And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall. Getting quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bretto. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging. Well, Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, on another Monday, it gives me great pleasure to introduce the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys, the founder of Forage Cereal, the chiropractor extraordinaire, the world's greatest naturopath, Dr. <laughs> Damien Christoph. Hello, great man. <laughs> G'day, great man. How's Australian? How are you going, mate? So, I know this is going out on Monday, but this is a Sunday night. We haven't done a Sunday night recording for a long time. No, we're not, we're not, and we're not talking about the events of today, but I will tell you. No, let's just, not. We won't, but, but I, will, I will just quick shout out to my beautiful wife who actually organized a surprise birthday party for me yesterday. So it's, it's two weeks to the wellness summit and uh, I'm working on a Saturday. I've blocked off the whole day. I'm in my cave. I'm disheveled. I've <laughs> got, you know, a five day growth. I haven't done my hair. I've got like, haven't had a haircut in about since before Europe, so a good two months. Um, and Sebear says, I just want to take you down to Bruns. The, the kids want to go down with you for an hour, Brunswick Heads, just to have a little play at the park, you know, or just a bit of family time just for an hour or so. I said, yep, no worries, totally get it because I've been working all day. I get down there, Bronnie Ware is there, Sam Gowing is there, Guy, <laughs> Guy Lawrence uh, is there. Um, wow. Sarah's brothers uh, are there and a few of the uh, parents from school that I keep on saying I want to see more of and I never see. Um, wow. Janet and Vanessa from Zazen were almost going to get there, but they couldn't get there. And I had this beautiful blend of professional relationships, uh, family relationships and, and, and friendships that you never 
you never have that blend together. Um, and How nice is that? It was just so the, the second half of my Saturday was just a surprise party, and people were like, is it is it a significant birthday? I said, no, it's on thirty seven. It's like the most awkward birthday number of all kind. There's nothing special about the number thirty seven. It's not it's not a five. It doesn't end in a zero. It's got nothing. I said, well, it's but, three away from forty, and three is the magic number. So it's it is kind of. <laughs> there's yeah. any we can yeah. we can spin it all we like. So um. So, you know, just... Mate, there was no DK and uh, no, there I, reckon, wasn't. I reckon he might have made it had he known about the party. But, uh, <laughs> thanks, C. Happy birthday, Marcus. He's such a legend. You deserve all the success. Mate, you, you know I'm trying to get you to Byron. I might tell C about that. I said, babe, I've been trying to get Dame out of Byron ever since we moved here. And if only he got the invite, he may have actually made it up here. Would have got there. Yeah. Would can't say no to a birthday no, party. The Labrador definitely would have. The Golden Retriever definitely would have made it up Yeah, here. I would have been there. I'll tell Wagging her that. Wagging my tail, walking between everyone's legs. I'll tell her that. But you know what? I mean, I've been very fortunate to have spent 10 days in Ikaria with you recently and then at the football in Melbourne a week or two back. And then, uh, again, we are just under two weeks away from the Wellness Summit. So I get to see you again, oh. you know, in, in 10 or 11 days from the day of this um Release. I mean, I am just, I am just so pumped that the second half of my year, I get a really good DK fix. It's a bit of a dose, isn't it? It's a great MP dose. I really love it. And you know, under your influence, um, I wore demons colours a couple of weeks ago at the footy, and uh, and I wore tigers colours. And I do it again. Yeah, do it again. I love that. I love yeah. that. Hey, uh, this is great. This is a great, nice little chat. And I know people are kind of going, okay, boys, come on, come on, come on. Get on with it. Get on with it. What are we talking about? Happy birthday, MP. That's what they're saying. Now, get on with it. <laughs> All right. Well, here you <laughs> go. Here you go. Here's a bit of getting on with it. I read an article recently um, yeah. talking about uh, the rise of veganism, a 350% increase in the number of self-described vegans. This is in the UK. You know, in Australia, yeah. we have over 2 million um, vegans, no, vegetarians. Now three, there's now three and a half vegans in Europe, in UK. <laughs> That's what it'll be. No, I'm joking. Just joking. Now, but but this is you know it's a, this is an interesting conversation. I mean, again, we've got the wellness summit coming up, and a lot of people do come for clarity on the on the food front and, and what should I eat. And every twelve months, you and I like to talk about what to expect in the next twelve months in regards to food. And I have no doubt that in December last year, you said, "Just hold your horses, folks. Uh, the rise of veganism is here." Uh, 2018 will be the year that vegan kind of comes back in a major way. And it is. It's everywhere. I mean, again, being just back from Europe, I, I can't believe how much I saw veganism in, in countries renowned for their meat intake, particularly France um, and even Ireland. But this article in the Sydney Morning Herald, which we'll, we'll put in the show notes, goes through what happens to the body. Um, how veganism changes your body from day one. And I was thinking, oh, here we go. It's going to be one of those one-sided, you know, holier-than-thou, when you go vegan, your body just becomes the most healthiest thing ever. But it's actually really good journalism, I thought. Sophie Medlin, who does deserve a shout-out here because she's done what a true journalist does and she's presented both sides, has put together a great piece. But I thought, let's put it to the DK test and maybe I can throw a few pieces of um, Medlin's article to you and, and you can have the 100 not out say. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Well, I've, um, I've skimmed the article. I've read through uh, the cliff notes. I've, um, I've had a look at the headings. And uh, it looks really good, to be honest with you. And, uh, and it, is, it is 
true that uh, back in December last year, I did tip that uh, vegan will be on the rise. Um, and I said it'll be on the rise because paleo um, has kind of lost its flavor. People kind of seeing through it. Uh, I'll say it again. Um, it's not for everyone, paleo. And it's interesting because at, at the peak of its um, enthusiasm, at the peak of its enthusiasm, around about 7% of the population had, uh, had tried paleo, tried it, 7%. So you think about all the people listening to this podcast, which, yeah, it's probably, I don't know, one or two million of you listening to this at the moment. Oh, come on. Um, I'm thinking about four billion. I'm thinking about <laughs> half half of the human population is now been exposed to our message. Surely, surely, right? And many of you would know of the story of Marcus and I walking through the Greek ravines um, and noticing that there was no coconut trees there. So there's no way uh, in Greece not hell, but Greece, uh, that a, a Greek person could be paleo if they were living according to their land. There's no way. So that would imply that they would die early if they weren't being paleo. But we've wisened up to that. And so about 7% have actually stuck to or started or begun or tried or flirted with the idea of paleo. And at the time of the journal article or the article going to air about paleo, about 3% of those people that had tried the paleo diet had continued and were still going with it. So 97% of the 7% mm-hmm. had not continued. They'd had only flirted. It had only been a, a yo-yo. Yeah, exactly. And so it brings to light, you know, yet another fad. And yes, there's valid reasons and yes, there's some validity in it. But, you know, at the end of the day, the underpinning um, mindset around paleo, the underpinning mindset around vegan, the underpinning mindset around all healthy diets, including the number one most popular, most successful eating program on the planet is the Mediterranean diet, is a high plant-based diet. Now, this article uh, that um, was lady Sophie Medlin uh, has written goes on to say that around about at the time of writing this article, uh, about twelve percent of the population, of Australia's population, um, had been vegetarian, uh, which, is, which is quite cool. Actually, it was, it was in 2016. Now, there's been a massive upsurge since 2016. I would go to say that that would be closer to 20%. You reckon 20% moment. of people right now are vegetarian? Yeah, I would say, yeah. 20%? One in yeah. five? I reckon one in five would be vegetarian or, or vegan at the moment. Now, the reason wow. why I say that is because in 2012, um, there was 9.7% of the population um, were vegan or veget- vegetarian. And it wasn't that popular back in 2012. We're talking six years down the track. There's been a massive rise, a massive ascendancy of people actually doing it. And if you think about a 350% increase in the number of self-described vegans in the UK since 2008, that, that translates to a significant amount of growth year on year on year. And so I suspect that uh, we'll be closer to 20% at the moment of vegetarians and vegans. So it's more more widely accepted that this is a style of eating that could be healthy for you. And it also has benefits for the planet, which is the reason why people, a lot of the reason why people go vegan is because they're concerned about the animals. And a lot of the reason why people, you know, go vegetarian is because they want to just consume a little less meat and do their little bit for the environment. Now, I'll be clear here, I have a very, very broad range of vegetables in my diet, very broad range, and I eat heaps of them, and I love them, but I'm not vegan or vegetarian. We're just going to look at the facts here and talk about the goods, the bads, and the uglies. Well, let's look at the facts, but let's also just put a little personal experience in here because you've been a vegetarian, I've been a 
uh, vegetarian and a vegan, so we can also yep. put our own personal experience. So let's go into experience number one. According to Sophie, and I definitely agree with her here, the first few weeks, the first thing that someone starting a vegan diet might notice is an energy boost. But then she says, with the removal of the processed meat that is found in many omnivorous diets in favor of fruit, vegetables, and nuts. Now, I'm going to say, Legend, and please disagree if you disagree, I don't think it's the removal of the processed meat that is the reason for an energy boost in a vegan diet. I think the reason for the energy boost is typically if you've gone on a diet, any diet, you're actually, you're not drinking Coca-Cola, you're not drinking Red Bull, you're not eating Mars bars, you're not buying donuts, you're not eating chips out of a packet, you're not eating hot chips, you're not actually a lot eating a lot of the processed foods that give you a real energy drain. I don't think it's the removal of the processed meat that is the reason. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, and you know this because you're a journalist, um, that in order to create an article, there's got to be some kind of a broad sweeping statement that kind of just gets the article going and that's it. Like, that's it. As if everyone who's any omnivorous diet eats um, processed meat. Not Everyone does that. So that's a very big, broad, sweeping brush stroke that uh, I don't think applies to a lot of people. And most people who do the vegetarian-style eating or vegan-style eating will actually experience an increase in energy. They'll get a boost. They'll feel great. Maybe after the first couple of days, the first few days, they're likely to feel a bit detoxy. They'll get a bit headachy. The bowels will play up. They'll feel a bit bloated. They'll have some smelly farts. They probably won't be burping. They might have a few breakouts. They'll Their skin um, might be a little bit you know, challenged. Um, We might also find that their sweat starts to stain um, their clothing. And the reason why this happens is because their organs are detoxifying, just getting rid of a lot of the junky bits because they've now got to look harder to find amino acids in their food. They've got to look harder to find nutrients in their food because meat is an abundant source of nutrients. Um, And vegetables, albeit very, very rich in plant-based vitamins and polyphenols and different types of chemicals, plant-based chemicals, uh, which are very, very good for us, um, albeit very rich in it, they're not abundant sources of it. And the vitamins and the minerals that are in these plants and fruits and vegetables decrease over time as oxygen is exposed um, to the cells of the plant. And so they're probably... Which is why we need to eat so much of them because it's not it. like... You, you really know. do. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And there's a lot of fiber in it, right? So the fibers, you know, the different types of fiber, there's probably three different types of fiber that you're going to find in all these different plants. So you've got your digestible fiber, fiber, the indigestible fiber, and then you're going to find your resistant starch. So there's these different types of fibers that will be fueling different types of bacteria in your gut, and there'll be a significant shift. Um, as well as the loosening of the bowels, um, there'll be gas formation and so on and so forth. So the first few days will be tough. The next few weeks will be unbelievable, not because of the reduction of processed meat. However, because most likely because of the decrease in the um, – in, in the richness of the nutrient supply and the body having to work harder to get access to nutrients. Oh, so you've mentioned some good stuff here. We won't go into this part of the the article, but you do talk about the 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 the, the, the point on fiber and how it can um, go both ways as it as it all kind of shifts in the body. Let's talk about three to six months later, several months into a vegan diet, and some people may find that the increase in Fruit and vegetables and reduced processed food can help acne to clear up, and I would definitely attest to that myself. But by this point, however, your stores of vitamin D might be dropping as key sources of it in our diet come from meat, fish, and dairy, and it isn't always noticeable until it's too late. Mm. Um, Vitamin Mm. D isn't well understood, but it is essential in keeping bones, teeth, and muscles healthy, and deficiency has been linked with cancer, heart disease, migraines, and depression. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Well, there's some good, you know, truth in that as well. Um, obviously, you know, animal animal based sources of vitamin D are plentiful. You know, if we think about um, where we do get a lot of our D from in our diet, it comes from animal sources. It doesn't come from vegetable sources. However, the bulk of our vitamin D uh, manufacture occurs um, under the skin, under our, you know, under our skin in the subcutaneous layers of the, of the skin in the fat, um, where we use the the hormone melatonin, um, uh, inter, sorry, melatonin melanin uh, to create vitamin D in our body, so that we can strengthen our own bones. And this is interaction with the sun. So yeah, there may be um, exposure to vitamin D through food. However, the largest source of vitamin D through food comes from cod liver or from liver products. Now, m- many of us aren't eating offal um, most of the time. Um, anyway, so regardless whether or not we're vegan or vegetarian or omnivorous, it's highly likely that in our population set and in our data set, um, people are going to be vitamin D deficient anyway because they spend a lot of time inside. Um, they don't eat um, organ meats. And as a result of not eating organ meats, they're not going to get their vitamin D anyway. So I don't think that's a hugely big issue, vitamin D, um, for vegans and vegetarians. And look, let's face it, if we needed to supplement the vitamin D, then we could. If we need to get in the sun, then we can. Um, so there's a few different ways in which we can get access to vitamin D um, and still be um, a healthy vegan in that regard. All right, good work. Now, if we come down here a little bit further from six months to several years on, approaching a year on a vegan diet, vitamin B12 stores may become depleted. Vitamin B12, it's a nutrient essential to a healthy functioning of blood and nerve cells and can only be found in animal products. B12 deficiency includes breathlessness, exhaustion, poor memory, and tingling in the hands and feet. It's easily prevented by eating three portions. Well, shit, well, hold on. Easily prevented by eating three portions of fortified food per day, or taking a supplement. Uh, I don't know about that, but where do you sit, Damo? Well, this is probably the one big concern I have with vegan vegetarian diets is the low B twelve, and there is neurological compl- um, complications with low B twelve, and and uh, and B twelve is one of those nutrients that's so involved in so many different processes within the body that it's very very hard to argue that humans are meant to be. Uh, veg- vegetarian or vegan. We're still um, looking for them, the, the centenarian vegans. <laughs> There's not many around. Now, if you think about uh, the way in which our body detoxifies through methylation, it requires a number of different things, and one of those things is B12. And so in order to detoxify uh, repeatedly on a day-to-day basis, every single cell requires B12. And so if we start to deplete our blood stores of B12, it's very difficult to get those blood stores back up again. And many people will find themselves needing infusions of blood down the track um, as they start to develop something called pernicious anemia. And pernicious anemia is the is the B12 deficiency that's found in blood that causes um, macrocytosis. So the, the red blood cells get very, very big, very, very fat, uh, and very, very thin layered. And so they they break down very easily, and that is the major cause of the, ble- the breathlessness because the red blood cells are what transports the oxygen around. And with a thin membrane and poor integrity of the membrane, which would normally be uh, kept intact by the B12, the membranes will pop and burst, and the red blood cells will explode. The contents of the red blood cell will enter the bloodstream, and that creates even more challenge with the body. So more inflammation, more damage, more danger. So this is something that vegans and vegetarians have to be very, very careful of. And it will be the number one cause of fatigue, malaise, um, deficiency, disease um, for vegans and vegetarians is the B12 deficiency. Now, I'm not into fortified food. Like if you've got to eat a fortified meal or a fortified food because the design of the diet that you've chosen is inadequate, 
then you're doing the wrong thing. Got to look yourself it. in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, S- just start with the man or the woman in the mirror and make a change because it's it's not right. It's not right. However, I know that I just mentioned before that he, you know, takes some vitamin D supplement and you can top up your vitamin D. You could do it with the sunlight. You could do it with the sunlight. There's a few pale people out there with red hair and freckles. You may not be able to get the sunlight enough to get your vitamin D levels up. And people with dark skin will have to stay in the sun for longer, almost twice the length of time um, that somebody with, say, uh, olive, more olive complexion will need to stay in the sun to manufacture enough vitamin D. So there's some complications there and some restrictions or limitations based on your skin color um, as to how you manufacture vitamin D. But there's no hack for vitamin B12. So you've got to get it from food sources and the best food sources, um, or really, actually, the only you know food sources come from animals, unfortunately. Um, so you can't really get around that. And we do know, um, you know, we do know. You and I both know vegans that they would argue that there is a hack, and that is intravenous B12 injections on a regular basis. Well, um, we know that we've interviewed those people. So you know, I think it's it's it is a it's an interesting one, but I I think we both agree that there's nothing that suggests that that is the way that it's meant to be. I want to ask you this one: yes. our skeleton. Um, uh, this is according to to Medlin and, and the article, and, and Medlin, Sophie Medlin is a lecturer in nutrition and dietetics at King's College in London. But uh, here we go. This she one, knows her stuff. She this knows. one, I, yeah, I thought this was fascinating. Our skeleton is a mineral store, and up until the age of thirty, we can add minerals to it from our diet. But after that, our bones can't absorb minerals anymore, and so getting enough calcium when we're young is vital. Is that one hundred percent? Well, I mean, we still look the absorption of of everything in our body uh, declines from the age of 30, around about 30. And so it's very important to try and get our stores up and to be as strong as possible by the time we get to 30, absolutely, because it is more difficult. It's not that it shuts off and you can no longer um, restore nutrient levels in the bones because uh, on a, you know every day I would see patients of mine where I've given them the appropriate uh, nutrient intake through diet and through supplementation. And we've seen an increase in bone density, and and uh, and various medical interventions um, have addressed the uh, the need to try and increase bone density for people with osteoporosis and osteopenia. And some of those uh, medications are successful, albeit they have side effects. Let's just you know put that right out there right now. And as we speak, there's a TV show on SBS right now called Vitam- Vitamania, um, trying to pull apart the vitamin industry. Um, however, let's just say straight off the bat that if we get the nutrition right at any stage in your life, you'll absorb the nutrients and you'll be able to use them. The body, until the day you die, has an intelligence where it's always continuing to heal and repair. And you want to you know, honor that. Just because you turn 30 doesn't mean it's all downhill. There's a fair bit that's downhill, but it's not all downhill. Mm, that's fascinating. And this one I thought is really interesting. Ve- vegetables rich in calcium like kale and broccoli may protect bones, but many vegans don't meet their calcium requirements. And there is a 30% increased risk of fracture among vegans when compared to vegetarians and omnivores. Plant-based calcium is also harder to absorb and therefore supplements um, are recommended. But that's interesting. 30% increased risk of fracture among vegans. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. There's a few things. There's probably reasons for that as well. So, yes, there's the bioavailability of the of the plant-based nutrients. And look, when I was studying um, to be a naturopath in my very early days, so we're talking back in 1994, I reckon, 95, 94, 95, 
in my nutrition lectures, um, the lecturer, Honey, would tell us that it's better for the body and easier for the body to absorb the plant-based forms of nutrients. And in some cases, that is the case. But in many cases, uh, the animal version of the vitamin or the nutrient is far easier to absorb and far more effective in the body. Now, so when we go to calcium as a source of um, of nutrition or as a, as a mineral that the body actually requires, um, our great mate, Carl Broccoli, uh, who's mentioned in this article, uh, he's, <laughs> he's not even vegan or vegetarian, but it, they are rich, rich sources of calcium and their bioavailability is actually quite good. The interesting thing is, is that you've still got to eat a lot of kale and a lot of broccoli and a lot of plant-based nutrients to get your recommended daily allowance up. So let's just say 250 mils of milk um, has around about the same amount of bioavailable calcium as about 250 grams of broccoli. So a, a quarter of a kilo of broccoli versus a quarter a kilo of oh sorry a quarter of a liter of milk has about the same amount of bioavailable calcium. Now that doesn't mean that broccoli has the same amount of calcium in it. Um, in fact, ca- the cow's milk has more calcium in it than the broccoli does, but from a bioavailability perspective, it's very, very similar. Now, it's very difficult to go and get a lot more broccoli into your diet um, and kale into your diet after you've had 250 grams of it. It's much easier to get it from dairy produce, of course, and and other um, nutrient sources like nuts and seeds and and so on and so forth. You can get uh, calcium from any vegetable and from any um, other source, however, or any other um, plant-based source. However, uh, it's just a matter of getting enough of it. Now, the other thing is too that you need to be exercising. So, in order to strengthen bones, in order to make them stronger and to have them absorb calcium and require vitamin D, you actually have to exercise. And if you're not exercising, your bones will become um, osteopenic. Um, in other words, they'll start to lose. Um, mass, they'll lose calcium, vitamin D, and boron, manganese, and all the other cofactors that are required to build bones. Uh, so exercise is absolutely important. Oh, gee whiz, Damo. We could go on for hours on this. I just love listening to you talk about this. And I do want to tell people that if you are listening and you haven't booked in for the Wellness Summit, there is information like this and a whole lot more. And tell you what, Damo, um, can't wait to hear you present at the summit. A lot of people, um, I had an email from someone the other day saying, I attended in 2016. Is it going to be any different in 2018? And I wanted to write back going, well, <laughs> we're not going to put them on repeat. We are going to bring the real person there. And they have actually been, you know, learning and experiencing lots over the last two years. And I haven't um, had the conversation with you that we've had just now. And I just am, again, gobsmacked by how much you know and how much you have just in your knowledge store that you can just pull out when when the situation arises. It's fascinating to listen to and uh, particularly, you know, as, as that article raised, just the consequences of our decisions, of our dietary decisions um, and the only person that can be responsible for those consequences is us. I mean, I think that's why it's such an important topic, isn't it? No one else can decide our nutritional fate except us alone. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's up to us, but we've also got to be aware of it. And so, if you do decide to uh, take on a challenging diet like vegan or vegetarian, and you might think, "Oh, it's not that hard," it is hard on your body. If you if you do decide to get some baselines, go and see your doctor, go see your GP, get some blood tests. Um, you maybe want to see other health practitioners to maybe get a gene test done, just to kind of understand what sort of risk factors you might have, because you may have. Um, methylation risk factors, you may have absorption risk factors, you may have other things that 
you know, that may need to be aware of. You may actually have genes that code for a reduction of absorption of calcium. So it's important to understand that, you know, maybe you're not built for that style of diet. So you may have all the best intentions in the world, but maybe your body's not built for it. So check it out. Just go see your healthcare practitioner, your GP, whoever it's going to be. Get some blood tests. Check it out. Find out where you're at, what your baseline is. Find out where you're up to six months down the track. Find out what you're up to 12 months down the track just to see whether or not you're maintaining things. And then go and check it every year. Um, this is just good, healthy, you know, well-being information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm thinking as you say this, you know, I'm sure people don't think that we're vegan bashing on this episode, but I would definitely go and recommend, listen to the uh, vegan interviews that we've done on this podcast. There's Mimi Kirk, uh, yes. David Wolf. Um, yes. the Jeanette and Alan um, Murray, um, yeah. Karen Smith, and there's one other, oh, Ruth Heidrich, who we interviewed yes. in the early days That's as right. well. Um, you know, so there's a number of uh, vegans who, who we would say are doing it quite well, and we don't want people to think, oh, you know, um, we're looking at it from the other side. Damien and I have both been either vegan or vegetarian for a significant period of time. So mm. I think it's just really important that like you said, you know, that people become aware, uh, particularly if they are choosing a challenging diet. But again, if you really want to explore this more, really recommend you come along to the Wellness Summit. If you've already booked your tickets, can't wait to see you there. Um, last uh, release of tickets are available at thewellnesssummit.com. Damo, see you in less than two weeks in Melbourne. Can't cannot wait. Cannot wait. August 25 and 26. Going to be wonderful. Remember, Mm -hmm. folks, we would love your feedback. You can do that over at thewellnesscouch.com. Check out the entire range of podcasts available on The Wellness Couch. We've got the number one show, The Wellness Guys, and over 25 shows, all on different topics in the health and wellness sphere. Big thanks to our editor, Joseph Tomo, Rosie Garner, who does our social media, and Cielo, who helps us out on all of the videos. And again, thank you for your support. And until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.